and good afternoon. This is Alicia Bales live in the studio. It's the local coronavirus update and Dr. Drew Colfax is here. Hey, Drew. Hello. How's it going? It's going quite well. How are you? I'm good. Happy Monday. Indeed. How was your weekend? It was lovely. Did you? Did you? Oh, you weren't working. Well, that's got to be nice. And we've also got this crazy plume of smoke happening over... It's over 253. It's not really making it into Anderson Valley, but it's a little scary looking from Ukiah. Yeah, lots of controlled burns. Yeah. As we are in our Northern California desert. (laughs) Right. Well, I know. I heard. Okay, so this is called the, um, what's it called? The turnout fire. Uh, And it is up to 100 acres, but last report it was 15% contained. Uh, Cal Fire told me that they expect to have full containment within 24 hours. Uh, And as far as we know, it is not moving at all. So that's really good news, even though the smoke is is a little bit disturbing. But the reports are that the the tinder out there, it's in trees and shrubs, and it is dry and crackling. I was was burning brush recently, and it's already feeling like... I mean, it's not completely dry down underneath everything, but it's pretty moisture. dry on the surface, and it's, what, April 19th? It's crazy. 16 yes. inches of rain at our place. But, oh, oh, wow. Yeah. Anyway, that's not COVID-related. Okay, but it is... At least not yet. Yeah. <laughs> or at least Ooh, not. <laughs> where, Let's find that intersection <laughs> know, right? and run away from it. Um, okay, what do we have for COVID today? Well, COVID, we're kind of at this weird place, actually, uh, where it seems like a lot is happening. Um in general around COVID, and yet very little um, locally or even statewide. So first, the good news. Um, really, we don't have much COVID at all in the county or in the state. Um, right now, we are averaging a little over two cases a day in the county. Positivity is sitting around 1.4% with just adequate testing still, um, bringing our total case count up to 3,987 there's exactly one person hospitalized in the county um, with 40, slightly over 40 in isolation or quarantine. Now, these numbers are off the county dashboard. That's on from Friday, um, so they might be a little bit different by the end of today. Um, public health has vaccinated um, 28,000 people with at least one vaccine dose in the county. Adventist um, has vaccinated almost that many, I believe, um, and that doesn't count the uh, pharmacies um, or consolidated. So we're, you know, we're well over 50%, even though the statewide and the national dashboards don't reflect that actual number um, in the county. California is still trending downward. We're down 7% on a two-week average. Um, We're averaging around 2,500 cases a day in the state of California. Deaths are down around 28%. We we have the second lowest COVID case count per capita in the nation, right behind the great state of Arkansas, well-known for its public health policies. Yeah, so it's it's weird, right? I mean, we have Michigan that's surging, although that's starting to trend downward. Um, there's some New England states that are kind of looking a little bit hot. Um, but in general, the nation is looking better and better. Um, you know, we're not, not entirely, though. So there are these hot spots, and in, in, in totality, um, the U.S. is up around 5% over two weeks, um, and deaths are sitting pretty much flat. But locally... You know, particularly with such a high vaccine rate, we're really not seeing people getting sick. And that's reflected in the total hospitalization count of one, which right. is crazy, right? Well, the last time we talked to, it was before the Johnson & Johnson pause. Yes, yes, which is 
bad news, um, to put it mildly, for the national control of the pandemic or for international control of the pandemic. I mean, that was, that is, um, along with the beleaguered AstraZeneca, the vaccine that's going to, um, you know, save the world, so to speak. It's the one that can be um, tra transported and administered uh, throughout developing countries in a very efficient, um, low-cost way, unlike the Moderna and the, and the Pfizer but six people initially and then two more developed this very bad clot in their central or their venous from central venous thrombosis um which is a clot in the cavernous sinus not exactly a word that you learn in elementary school but it's the large it's almost like an atrium if you will um that drains the blood from the brain before it uh, connects to the jugulars um, so it's this large collection reservoir sits right at the base of the brain and if you get a clot in there as you can imagine it can be quite serious indeed very rare very very rare condition but eight cases um, out of seven to eight million doses that's higher than you would expect um, at least the initial six were all in uh, women. Um, the additional two, there was one male, I believe, and one woman. So seven out of eight were in women. Um, the six initial women were all between the ages of 18 and 48. Um, and so I think ultimately it will be linked to the vaccine. Um, there were just sort of doing a back of an envelope calculation. There are about 200 and 50, there's about a 1 in 250,000 chance of developing this clot in a woman in that age range, um, which is quite low, to be sure, um, but it's still a risk that needs to be quantified and studied before they roll forward. What causes that? The clot? Yeah, why would that happen? Well, we know that vaccines in general, and the COVID vaccines in particular, aren't really different, um, but they can disrupt the clotting cascade. Um, and so the, the, class, the cascade involves not just platelets, but all these clotting factors. Um, it's incredibly complex, which is why you spend five years studying it after medical school if you want to become a hematologist. Um, but it's it vaccines in a small and we're talking a very small minority of people will disrupt that clotting cascade and make people hypercoagulable which is to say will make them more um inclined or more likely to develop clots blood clots in legs are quite common we diagnose those on a weekly basis in the hospital um but central venous thrombus is are quite rare indeed i think i've seen them twice and if you're highly coagulable, is this something that you know about yourself, or is it something that you develop depending on what what the substance is? So there are there are conditions, medical conditions, diagnosed medical conditions, uh, which lead people to be more prone to developing clots, or they are in fact hypercoagulable. And if somebody develops a blood clot, and it's not clear why, then there would be a battery of tests that somebody could get to figure out if they have one of these medical conditions that would make them more likely to develop blood clots and those individuals those individuals in general go on lifelong anti-clotting mm -hmm. medications
But wasn't there something with this particular situation where the platelet levels were already low or something? I mean, you're the person to ask yeah. about this, yeah. right? If we're going to yeah. get this far out <laughs> into it. Really I heard this in thing yeah. on the radio. Yeah. So, like, it, like, blood thinners weren't going to help with this one, right? Well, they, they will. They'll certainly help. Um, unfortunately, the people who developed these clots also had very low platelet counts, which are involved in clotting. Um, but in these circumstances, it's not just the number of platelets that you have, it's the disruption of the entire clotting cascade. In general, um, that particular medical condition is treated with something called heparin, uh, which is an intravenous drip infusion of an anti-clotting medication. Unfortunately, heparin can have this rare um, side effect or consequence of causing platelets to go low. <laughs> um, so if you're treating somebody with a central venous thrombosis that is may, may or may not be induced by the vaccine and they already have low platelets, you can't use that medication. That being said, there are a lot of other options. So it's just something that providers need to be aware of. It's treatable, though? It's treatable. It's quite serious. Yes, huh. it has a significant mortality. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Anything else about that that well, it's, situation? No, it's just, Johnson it's, Johnson? it's just unfortunate that it's happened, obviously. I, I don't think, I mean, it's obviously terrible that these eight individuals out of seven or eight million have developed this consequence of the, perhaps, of the vaccine. Um, I, I think that the greater cost by far, um, probably on the order of several magnitudes, is going to be um, increased vaccine uptake um, and thus more COVID. Mm -hmm. And so that's where the true cost of this vaccine um, halting is going to really be seen. Mm -hmm. Here in the county, it doesn't really affect us. We're not getting a lot of J&J &J in. Um, we are vaccinating with the Pfizer and the Moderna. They continue to, uh, we continue to get supply in the county of those two vaccines. And we're marching on all the way down to the age of 16 now. Yeah, gangbusters, yeah. really. Yeah. Do you want me to announce the vaccine events? Sure. Before we go too much further, why don't we get that okay. knocked off? There's a whole bunch of vaccine opportunities this or vaccination opportunities this week. Get so. your pencils ready. Yes. And before you start reading, I think all of them are for everybody 16 and up. That correct? is correct. Yeah. yeah. And there's some that are specifically at schools. Schools and yeah. So um, and there's one happening right now at the Ukiah Fairgrounds uh, from one to six today. Uh there's one tomorrow in Potter Valley at Potter Valley High School from 11.15 to 1.15. And these are for students from 16 and up, uh, but also their families. So their families are encouraged to, to take this opportunity. So that's tomorrow at Potter Valley High School. And Wednesday, there's another school, one at, in Covalo, at Covalo High School from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. And then, oh, back to the Ukiah Fairgrounds. I had this out of order a little bit. But on, tomorrow, there's also a first-dose Pfizer clinic at the Ukiah Fairgrounds. And that's between 3 and 6 tomorrow. Um, and then Thursday, there's a first-dose Pfizer clinic at the Ukiah Fairgrounds between 1 to 4. So anyone who wants to get their first-dose Pfizer has plenty of opportunities in the county. Um, and then on Friday, there's a first-dose Pfizer clinic at the Ukiah Fairgrounds between 4 and 6. Uh, also, there is a second-dose Pfizer event in Willits on Thursday, April 29th, for people who've already got their first dose through Adventist. But that's, as far as I know, the only Adventist event that's happening. Um, the clinics around the county are also holding uh, they're holding vaccine events, but they're also vaccinating through appointments. 
Um, RCMS is holding regular Saturday clinics. They're going to have second dose Pfizer vaccine and smaller events through the week. And those are all by appointment only. MCC Mendocino Coast Clinics is holding an open clinic where you don't need an appointment on Friday from 930 to 1230. And that's going to be Pfizer. Anderson Valley, they're doing um, Thursdays, right, by invitation. And this week it's a second dose Moderna clinic. They may also get some first dose, but that's not clear yet. But they're calling people, right? Okay, so that's Anderson Valley. And then because of the Johnson & Johnson pause, MCHC is not having a clinic this week. Um, And Bechdel Creek Clinic in Willits is offering vaccines by appointment. They have first dose Moderna available. And in Laytonville, the Long Valley Clinic is holding vaccine events Tuesdays and Fridays. They have second dose Pfizer from 1 to 4 p.m., but that, it too, is by appointment. It's for um, people who have contacted the clinic or who, who are patients at the clinic. And you can make a vaccine appointment by going online to www.myturn.ca.gov. That's M-Y-T-U-R-N dot C-A dot gov. Or you can call my the, my turn people. They have a phone number, 833-422-4255, um, That's in Spanish and in English, and they have multiple other languages as well. There's also a number for the county that you can call to make a vaccine appointment. That's 707-472-2663. 472-2663. That's for any vaccine questions as well. And then NCO, North Coast Opportunities, has a scheduling line as well. 707-467-3239. 467-3239. Or you can text them if you're one of those texting people. <laughs> 707-209-7161 with NCO Vax in the body of the text. I'll give that number one more time. 707 209 7161. And then, of course, there's testing on Tuesdays from 9 to 5 in Fort Bragg at the Vets Hall and at OptumServe in Ukiah throughout the week at the fairgrounds. And on Friday, the traveling testing team is going to be in Round Valley and in Willits. And that's, um, they'll be in Round Valley at the, in Covalo at the Round Valley Library from 9 to noon. And then they're heading down to Willits. They'll be at the Hara Senior Center from 2 to 5. So, yeah, lots happening. So many vaccine opportunities now all at once. I know. I just, I wish I, I wish I could get a report from the vaccine front lines and know if they're swamped or if, with all the new people who are now eligible or if it's like crickets in there. Yeah, I haven't worked a vaccine line since this new supply started arriving. I'll let you know. Do you know about how many vaccines they're getting a week? I don't have the number for this week, but given by the number of clinics that are scheduled, it, it seems that we got several thousand in at least. Um, yeah, it doesn't seem like yeah. scarcity there. Yeah. Well, cool. Hopefully, they are all administered. Yeah. What? You got anything else? Um, well, the other sort of bad news or sort of news to make people pause um i we got a call a month or two ago about immune suppressed people um and sort of whether they should get the vaccine and my answer was unequivocally yes and remains so um but more news is sort of uh, more research is showing that people who are immune suppressed and we're talking 
medically um, immune suppressed, so significantly immune suppressed, people who are on immune suppression medications due to an organ transplant, people who are actively getting um, chemotherapy for cancer, or who have some sort of diagnosed disruption of their immune system. So people, not just people who get sick a lot, um, but people who are truly at risk of developing bad um, illness. Um, the, the JAMA released an article, um, research piece, that was published online. It wasn't actually in their magazine, which is why I missed it, um, about three or four weeks ago, um, which showed fairly low antibody, uh, active antibody um, development after the Pfizer vaccine um, on the order of 20-25%. Now the study was sort of not quite complete because there's only a one-dose Pfizer. They hadn't yet completed the second dose, so we don't have that data yet. But it was certainly enough to give pause um, to you know, the people who are significantly immune um, suppressed um, relying on their fully vaccinated state to give them a high degree of protection. It also, um, I think, means that Dr. Fauci's statement this week that people who are fully vaccinated have zero worry when they're getting together needs to be qualified. Um, you said it, that? Yeah, yeah. We'll get tons of things to worry about. Yeah, well... <laughs> I, I maybe it was in a broader paragraph of caveats, but not not the way wow. I saw it. Um, but at any rate, that that's concerning, um, and it certainly you know bespeaks the need to adhere to the COVID rules, so to speak. Um, and you know it's it's interesting when you go through medical school or even your first year of residency, and you're learning how complex systems fail in complex ways, which is to say, how to manage somebody who's really sick. Um, you know, the attending doctors will, will tell medical students and residents to sort of go back to the basics and just, you know, are they breathing? Is their airway open? Do they have circulation? On that, if the answer is to yes to those three things, then you have time to think. And right now, we're still at a fairly fraught moment, even though our numbers are great um, locally and statewide and even nationally. We really don't know how these strains are going to affect things. There's increasing evidence that the vaccines are less effective um, against some of these new strains, but still probably effective enough if enough people get vaccinated. Um, so it's it's a fraught moment mm -hmm. in the midst of fairly good news. Mm -hmm. Well, and uh, add to that the fact that on Friday it was reported that we have had 16 breakthrough cases yes. discovered here in Mendocino County. And breakthrough yes. cases means, of course, the people were fully vaccinated who then contracted COVID. Yes, and that you know that will happen. This vac the vaccine, while very good, is not is not 100 percent right. And I think what we should look for or look at um, more pertinently is how many of those people ended up in the hospital and with one person hospitalized in the county that number is effectively zero right and so that's great um and you know will there be people who unfortunately get covid and get really really sick even though they're fully vaccinated sure but your odds go way 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 down um once you're vaccinated which is you know kind of where we want to be right for the immune suppressed however um you know the the thing to do besides following the covid rules is get tested if you're at all symptomatic um, because there are and there is increasing uh, data showing that some of these convalescent um, monoclonal antibody or convalescent plasma and the monoclonal antibodies um, either or 
um, are quite effective at, pre at um, preventing severe disease. Um, and the Regeneron, um, Big Pharma again, um, just... Um, it even sounds Big Pharma, I know, Regeneron. Right? It sounds it's, like, it's a, designed to, it's like a weird robot yeah. superhero. Yeah, exactly. Um, but they released a study this week um, or this past week showing that their cocktail of two different um, monoclonal antibodies um, are quite effective at, pre at preventing severe illness. And the nice thing about that particular medication, unlike the convalescent plasma, which we have administered um, here in the county, um, is it's just a subcutaneous shot. It's not oh. an IV infusion. Um, so you know, safe and apparently quite effective. And its real use is going to be for people who are diagnosed with COVID and are at severe risk of getting um, a bad illness. And we have that here in the county? Not yet, because it's not approved yet. But that should be oh. getting broad approval, I suspect, within a week or two. Uh -huh. What we do have here in the county right now is the Lily convalescent plasma. Okay. Yeah. Has it been used? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it works well? It works quite well, yeah. Well, well. We think it works well. I mean, people didn't get sick. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that was why. Yeah, that was definitely yeah, why. Yeah. All right. Well, that's good news, I guess. You know, good on bad on good yeah, news. Exactly. You know, it's like I, I just like to do it as sandwiches. <laughs> yeah. So I one more question before we open up the phone lines. If, if there are people who are immune suppressed, how do they do, do immune suppressed people do worse with COVID? I know this sounds like a dumb question, except that I was under the impression that part of what really makes people sick is an like an overwhelming immune response to the virus. Yeah, it's not an overwhelming... Well, it's a deranged immune response. Um, and, I, and I use the term deranged in, in sort of a medical term. It's not working right. Um, and, you know, there are... Yes, you know, the younger people will mount a massive immune response that which can make them very sick, um, but it's really sort of the dysfunction of the immune response um, that causes the acute illness or the more serious illnesses. Um, and so thus, people who are immune suppressed already have an immune system that's not working properly um, or effectively. And yes, they do much less well, mm -hmm. uh, much less well indeed. Okay. All right. Well, should we open up the phone lines or do you have anything else? No, I think we can open up the phone lines and see what it rip. Yeah, yeah. See, what, what, see what's on people's minds. Yeah. Okay. The phone number here in the studio, 707-895-2448. That's 707-895-2448. This is the local coronavirus update with Dr. Drew Colfax and I'm Alicia Bales. We'll take our first call. Uh, hey, caller, turn your radio off. Yeah, hi. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm here for a question. Yeah, you are live on the air. Oh, great. Um, yeah, thanks for the show and thanks for being still on. You're welcome. Um, <laughs> yeah, I am singing in, used to sing in a choir before COVID, and we are a lot of elder folks, and I think we are pretty much all vaccinated. And my question is, do you think it will be at some point safe again to meet and sing? We usually meet at the Grange in Village, which is a big, it's a big space. It's not a small, it's not in a small space. So I'm just very curious what, what your take on, on this is. Yeah, so that that's a, that's a difficult question to answer with any degree of precision, unfortunately. Um, it, 
part of the analysis would rely on your confidence that everybody in that choir is vaccinated um and you know that you're going to have to that relies um or requires some degree of trust unless everybody's willing to cough up their vaccine card and show it to one another um the second question or the second consideration is your age and risk factor. So if you're fully vaccinated, obviously your chance of getting acutely ill goes down markedly. But singing indoors with a large group of people is about as risky as you can get in terms of an activity when it comes to COVID. Um, and even though you're fully vaccinated and the risks go down markedly, it's certainly a non-zero risk um, activity. Um presuming everybody's vaccinated i personally would recommend um not starting something like that for several months until we have greater clarity about these um, variants that we're seeing um you know surging through the u.s and how effective the vaccine is at controlling severe illness um in these variants so i I hear you're wanting to get back to the to the choir. I think that should probably stay on pause. Um, just you know, shooting from the hip here, at least till midsummer, until we get a better sense of where we're shaking out. Okay, it makes uh, sense, but I don't like to hear. Yeah, I know. Well, that's yeah, that's my <laughs> that's my theme. Yeah, bad news indeed. But I'm sorry. Yeah. Okay. All right. Thank you. Be safe. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks. Bye. Hello, caller. You're live on the air. Hi. Glad you guys are still on, too. Yeah. um, Dr. Colfax, you mentioned earlier something about Dr. Fauci saying there's something about not getting together or getting together. We thought it was kind of safe if you were vaccinated and it's been the two week period after your second shot. And, And I didn't quite get what you were saying about that. Sure. sure. Yeah, sure. So Fauci said at some point, um, I forget what day it was, but over the last several days, he, you know, as part of a press conference, he stated that people who are fully vaccinated um, have zero worry um, around contracting the illness if they get together with other people who are fully vaccinated. My point is, yes, in general, it's now quite safe, um, but... You know, if if you are at a high risk, uh, if you're a high risk individual, then that that certainly does not apply to you. So there's that that it should come with an asterisk. Let me just put it that way. Yeah, one other question. Uh, <clears throat> you probably don't know this because it's happened so soon. Is uh, the blood clotting that's been going on with the J and J vaccine? Mm-hmm. I'm I'm wondering. You know, well, I guess you did explain some some about how that happens, but. I was wondering if they look at the different blood types, because I remember earlier on, way early on, the couple of studies that came out of China, and they found that type A were 28% more <clears throat> prone to die from it. And then there was, I think, one in, done in Italy that sort of confirmed that. Mm-hmm. And I was wondering if some of those people, if they clot because it's a type A blood, yeah, I, I don't know um, whether I, I haven't seen the data on that yet, and obviously there's yeah. patient confidentiality. The number is so low, however, and n of eight, um, you're really not going to extrapolate much in terms of blood type, um, really. Um, so we just don't have enough. You know, fortunately, we don't have enough people developing blood clots to to allow us to tease that out. And one thing I would like to say, um, it was brought to my attention by somebody that. 
when you take birth control pills, or used to be, I don't know, I never took them, I'm a guy. Anyway, <laughs> but that there's a risk of blood clotting in taking birth control pills, and I was wondering if that still holds true, and then if, if it still does hold true that there's... Uh, that can happen. What, what's the risk factor in taking birth control pills compare, and getting a clot compared yeah. to taking a vaccine? Which sure. You're saying roughly like maybe one out of 250,000 now based on this recent you know, episode that we've had happen. Well, one out of 250,000 amongst the group of women 18 to 48. Um, all comers, it's about one in a million, again, presuming uh, causality, which has not yet been determined. As for birth control pills, yeah, the earlier formulations, when we're talking back in the 60s and 70s, had much more hormone in them, and they did provoke blood clots, particularly in women who smoked. Uh, the newer um, uh, birth control pills have much lower and different uh, formulated um, birth control uh, birth control hormones in them, and the risk of clotting um, is vanishingly small, or the increased risk of a blood clot while on birth control pills, while slightly increased, is only increased a minimal amount. Bigger risk factors for blood clots, besides having some sort of disruption in your clotting cascade, some sort of clotting disorder, um, is smoking. That's that's the that's the leading um, risk factor for performing blood clots. Mm. Um, travel and trauma and cancer and immobilization are all other significant risk factors. Um, but but smoking's a big one. Why do you think that is? Or do, is, is you don't get as much oxygen in your cell when you're smoking, or do we know why? Smoking's smoking bad for you. It just makes That's everything I, all every, Everything just doesn't work. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. Thank you, guys. Right. Get off. <laughs> Thanks calling. so much for the call. You like that medical uh, explanation? Yeah, there? Love it. Love yeah. it. Bye bye. Bye bye. Hello, caller. You're live on the air. Love it. Love it. Hello. Hello. Is this KZYX? Yep, you're live on the air, and we can hear your radio in the background, so if you turn that off... It is off, okay. Okay. Um, I wanted to know more about the breakthrough um, vaccine with the 16 people, if you know which vaccine, and were these people discovered because they were symptomatic? Were they detected or just detected through regular testing? Yes, I unfortunately don't have a lot of that information. Um, The county does, um, but I'm not privy to it. And perhaps the reason that I don't have a lot of that information is because these patients haven't shown up where I work. Um, At the hospital. And so, yeah, exactly. So I I don't know if it was the Moderna or the Pfizer. Well, we did ask Mm -hmm. him, we asked Dr. Corin about this on Friday at the briefing, and you can listen back to that briefing. We um, we broadcast it. You can listen to it on the archive at our jukebox from three to four p.m. Although maybe not the way you want to spend an hour. I don't know. It's a beautiful day I'll go outside and do it. <laughs> put it on the and put it on your headset or whatever. But we also uh, we also podcast it on the um, the local coronavirus podcast, so you can download right. it. Right, and I just have my phone and my radio. I yeah. So, yeah. but I, I think actually not not knowing the answer doesn't really matter. I mean, we both we know that the Moderna and the Pfizer are more or less equally effective. Um, and what we're seeing after, you know, close to 100 million doses of these vaccines uh, administered in the U.S., um, what we're seeing is a very similar safety profile and a very similar efficacy profile. So 
uh, you know, from my perspective, it's just one of these events that we're going to see locally and statewide and nationally. We're going to see breakthrough cases. We're going to see transmission um, amongst people who are vaccinated yeah. with with each of these vaccines. Um, and, you know, I don't think we're going to start to see, and I certainly haven't seen any trend toward more breakthrough cases with one vaccine or the other yet. That just hasn't started to develop. And that might be what you're asking. Well, the second part of it, uh, if you might know this, were those 16 people symptomatic or were they detected through the regular testing? Because we've been told to keep uh, testing, but a lot of us who have gotten both the vaccines, or anyway, I'll speak for myself, haven't continued with um, testing. Yes, um, there were about half of them were symptomatic. And the others were just through the regular once, once I think once they started finding um, positive cases, they did broader testing in, in each population. Okay. Okay. All right. Thank you very much. Right. You're welcome. Thanks for the call. Okay. All righty. Bye-bye. All right. It's the local coronavirus update. The number here in the studio is 707-895-2448. That's 707-895-2448. We have... A quick email question, somebody following up to ask if there would be testing this week in Willits, and the answer is yes, there is testing. The county's travel team will be in Willits on Friday from 2 to 5 p.m. at the Hara Senior Center, and I hope I'm pronouncing that right, I hope it's not hurrah, uh, but the Hara Senior Center from 2 to 5 p.m. on Friday. You want to take another call? Sure. All right. Hello, caller. You're live on the air. Uh, hi. I had a question, kind of building on the previous caller's question. I've been hearing about people who are fully vaccinated throwing big parties, um, which to me seems really scary. Um, and, you know, I'm just assuming an indoor party with 20 or 30 people is just a bad idea to begin with. But I'm wondering if you could talk a little bit about outdoor gatherings with people who are fully vaccinated and what is and what is not okay. Sure. So I, we actually had an email question. Perhaps you're the author, or maybe there are multiple people with the same question. I, it's it's something that I think we all want to do, which is we want to get together in mass. Um, at this point, um, you know what I think would be safe, um, and it generally follows sort of CDC guidelines, is if you're all low-risk adults um, and you're fully vaccinated and it's a cohort of people that you trust, then outdoor gatherings are certainly safe. Um, indoor gatherings, I would not expand beyond family or a few of your very good friends. I just, I wouldn't recommend getting 20, 30, 40, 50 people together in an indoor setting. And frankly, um, there's no re- need to be indoors at all um, these days as we are in the middle of August here in, in Mendocino County. Um, so I, you know, I, I just, at this point, though, getting together, if you're vaccinated, um, is, you know, quite low risk. I would just lower the risk a bit more by staying outside. We know that is extremely effective. Okay, that's kind of what I thought. You know, indoors just seems really scary, but yeah, I, I, I'm not sure it's really scary. It's, you know, it's it's maybe a little bit uh, unnecessary um, is, is kind of how I would look at it. Um, you know, if, if you have if you have family that you want to see and you want to have dinner together inside, then that's fine. But inviting your 50 closest friends together indoors for a dinner party is not something I would sign up for yet. Okay, well, thanks for taking my call. Sure. All right. Okay, thanks bye. for the call. 
what if people are wearing masks? Yeah, but what's the fun in that? True. And how are you going to eat or drink or do all the do anything that involves a festive indoor gathering? True that. Yeah. Uh, just step outside. Yeah. Well, then yeah, stay outside. Seven zero seven eight nine five two four four eight seven zero seven eight nine five two four four eight. You said it was August in Mendocino. You meant to say that, right? Because I did. It yes. is unseasonably that was, that was warm. In, yes, indeed, and dry. Yes, and dry. Is that? Do you want to follow up with that email? I think I answered the email actually because it was very similar to the um, current, the last caller's question. Okay, maybe there's a lot of folks out there wondering when can we have parties again? Yeah. Hello, caller. You're live on the air. Hey, how you doing? Hello. Um, hi. Um, I think you guys need to do a show on Fauci and gain of function. <laughs> okay. Do you want to the, co- originator, the originator of COVID and the guy who's making a ton of money from it. Fauci? Yeah. You're a little Fauci guy. Uh-huh. He's not my little Fauci guy, to be sure. Well... I'll tell you one thing, uh, you guys need to dedicate some time to that and research it. Yeah, I, I think we're going into the conspiracy wormhole here. Um, but Yeah, well, that's the evidence is out. Okay, next call. Thanks for that caller. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, to be sure, Fauci is quite an operator to be so prominent for so many years as the head of a fairly obscure research lab in the federal government. But making a ton of money on it? I don't think so. All right, 707-895-2448. You've never been a big fanboy for, for Fauci, unlike lots of people. Yeah. Nobody's calling. Oh, okay, sorry. <laughs> spoke. I spoke a split second too soon. Hello, caller. You're live on the air. Hi, you guys. Um, long haulers as you are, and thank you. Um, people who... Um, Go for a couple of days before vaccination and take aspirin. I was wondering about that, um, considering the discussion regarding uh, clotting and platelets. And that's my question. Is that a problem? Yeah, in, in general, no. There's no data suggesting that you need to avoid aspirin um, around the time of um, getting the getting the the shot. Um, the if you're taking the aspirin to mitigate the side effects of the shot, which you know can be mildly to moderately unpleasant in some people, um, that's fine. The clotting um, events in these eight individuals, uh, to my knowledge, all occurred between days, I think, 6 through 14, um, rather than days 1, 2, or 3 um, around, um, around the time of vaccination. In general, I'm not going to recommend aspirin over the air to anybody um, just because it does have a lower safety profile um, than ibuprofen or Tylenol. So I would I would reach for ibuprofen or acetaminophen to control the side effects um, of the vaccine uh, way before I would reach for aspirin. And why is that? Because they're much safer medications, um, as you as you pointed out rightly, um, aspirin does affect platelet function, uh, which means it's interfering with your blood, your body's clotting um, cascade, um, and then aspirin also is much more likely to cause GI bleeding or intestinal bleeding when compared to ibuprofen or certainly acetaminophen. Gotcha. Thanks so much. You're Bye. welcome. Thanks for the call. And if I never hear the word clotting again, I will be more than happy. Don't go into hematology. (laughs) I promise. 
Wait, All there's right. an email question. Email question. My opinion regarding the wisdom of inviting house guests to stay for a couple days in early May. She will have flown from Minneapolis to a wedding in Tucson to San Francisco. We are both fully vaxxed. Well, you know, airlines, um, you know, we, we really haven't seen, you know, early on this pandemic, on uh, a poll of epidemiologists or public health officials, you know, everybody's saying stay away from airplanes. Um, but we really haven't seen a lot of transmission on airplanes. And that's because, A, they, they haven't been flying uh, anywhere near capacity, although that's changing pretty rapidly. Um, and B, because they circulate and microfilter the air at a pretty high volume, even though you we all feel kind of airsick after being cooped up in a big aluminum can for five or six hours um so flying doesn't really change the analysis the wedding um you know that that's a little bit more concerning um but if you're both fully vaccinated and otherwise at moderately low risk i think it's frankly fine um if you're immune suppressed or you're quite elderly and you have other uh comorbidities or risk factors for doing poorly then i would you know consider um you know i i would do it with more caution let's just say that if it could be arranged that you eat outside or they stay in a guest house rather than a guest room that would certainly be better whatever happened to cats getting covid cats i thought you meant cats the musical and i no, i know what happened to that yeah. um but they made a very strange movie out of it <laughs> but no remember when cats were getting it or a cat? a cat yeah i think it was one cat and like one dog and a kangaroo somewhere and yeah. then now we just don't test them anymore i don't know how much animal pet testing there was for covid honestly hmm. yeah well Something else to, to worry about and watch out for. It's 707-895. Or not. Or not. Just to be clear. Okay. Yes. Or not worry about Let's not worry about that at all. 895-2448. Hello, caller. You're live on the air. Um, yeah. I was wondering. I don't want to get the vaccine. And I was wondering if there's a place I can go to get um, an antibody check if I've already had COVID. Yeah, so you're... you're probably, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. So I just want to know if there's a place where I can go to just find out if I've already had COVID. Yeah, so your your primary provider can order an antibody test. Um, I would urge caution um, around interpretation of those results, however, um, because it may or may not be a test that was is going to test for the um, biologically active... Variant? Oh, uh, it may or may, yeah, I'm here. There, it may or may okay. not be a test that's going to test for the biologically active antibodies. Um, and then, secondly, even if you have antibodies to um, COVID, um, the natural immunity appears to be significantly less than the induced immunity from um, the Pfizer and the Moderna vaccines. So. You know, not getting vaccinated um, is it involves risk, and I don't think that the antibody I mean, test is it just risk to me. Pardon? I don't want to. I mean, I don't want to have to take it because I'm a risk to other people. I want to go without taking it. It sounds. I don't care about whether it's ethical or whether it's. Uh, correct or whatever. I just don't want to inject my body with anything regardless of what the reason is and especially by force I don't think anybody's going to be forced to be vaccinated so that that's well, a I mean by not idea. being able to go anywhere 
is about the kind of force I'm saying. Well, like, you can't get on an airplane, can't go to the yeah, grocery just, just store, to be you clear, can't do anything though, without a card. Just to be clear, though, you're you're not being concerned about the ethics of the situation is unethical, um, and you're not being vaccinated increases the risk of everybody in the community, especially the immune suppressed, or at this point, children who cannot yet get vaccinated. Um, and so that's concerning. And thirdly, if you're traveling unvaccinated, then you're putting everybody um, at increased risk because of your you know, desire to avoid an injection. Um, and that is both unscientific and unsupported. Um, so I, you know, I, I'm not going to encourage you to get an antibody test that's going to somehow make this decision uh, feel better for you. All right. Thanks for the call, caller. It's 707-895-2448. 707-895-2448. The lines are open. We're here until 4 o'clock, and it's the local coronavirus update with Dr. Drew Colvax and I'm Alicia Bales. We're both live in the studio today with our masks on. And while we're, while we're taking calls, it's, it's speaking of vaccines and getting something injected that is not natural. Uh, to be sure, these vaccines are not organic. Um, but there is increasing talk, and I've been predicting this for a while, that we're going to be getting a booster. Um, ah. Probably, you know, probably by the fall. Um the CDC and Fauci and a few of the big pharma companies have all been talking about that openly um, over the course of the last seven to ten days, which, at least from my perspective, is a, you know, it shows that the science is marching forward on uh -huh. this. That they're finding that a booster yeah. is going to be. Does that mean that the, the, it, the, the effectiveness is waning or that they're putting, no, putting together something that fights the variants? The, the effectiveness appears to be fairly durable still, actually. It, it's more worry, it's more concern um, around the variants. Um, and fortunately, the two um, mRNA vaccines that we're dealing with um, in this country um, are easily, or relatively easily, uh, modified to um, address the, the variants that we're seeing. The difficult thing, unlike influenza, is um, figuring out which, the, which variants are going to be um, most prevalent come, say, fall. Uh -huh. um, influenza, we simply look to the southern hemisphere and make an educated guess, and even that educated guess is you know, oftentimes only about 50 to 60%, right? This is why a, a genome testing program is so important. Yeah, it would have been nice from the get-go. Ah, oh yes. Yeah. Last year. Remember last year? <laughs> Hello, caller. You're live on the air. Yeah, hello. Hey, caller, go ahead. Hello. Live. hello. Yeah, I'm just uh, want to say that thanks to the doctor for uh, everything he said about the coronavirus, and thank you very much. Thanks a million for the doctor, to the doctor. Thanks to the doctor. That's all I want to say. All right. Well, thank you for listening. I really appreciate it. We're just trying to keep uh, things on the straight and narrow around here. Okay, doctor. Have a good evening, and thank you very much. All right. you. All right. Thanks for the call. Yeah. Oh, goodness. Speaking of calls, aren't we still in our quiet drive? We are, and actually, we've got good news today. We've got, uh, we're up to almost $35,000 for the quiet drive, which I find thrilling, very exciting. But we're going to start our loud drive. <laughs> We're done with the quiet. Well, no, Thursday, Thursday Earth Day is the beginning of our loud drive. So we're calling it the flash drive. No comments, please. Excellent. <laughs> and that's when we're going to do a more traditional on-air fundraising drive. We'll be back here next Monday with a fundraising show. So you can call in to support the well, coronavirus We'll have to bring update. special content. 
what should we bring? I don't know. Yeah. Something to encourage people to, to call in. I know there's a lot of folks, we get so much wonderful feedback about this show. So I know there's a lot of people who really do appreciate it and listen and um, hopefully will call and support. Uh, but if you would like to make your donation ahead of time and shorten up our our pitching for the flash drive, you can do that at www.kzyx.org. There's a donate button in the upper right-hand corner. Just get it out of the way. And then you can feel good through the rest of the, the drive. The rest of the year. Yes, absolutely. Okay, let's take another call. We're here for another 10 minutes, so a few more calls on the line. It is. Hello, caller. You're live on the air. Oh, I'm sorry. I had the wrong number. Oh, okay. (laughs) That would be weird to call the wrong number to the on-air line. Okay, let's take our next one. Hello, caller. I don't know what's going on with the phones. Sorry. Yeah, now now they're all gone. All right, there we go. Hello, caller. You're live on the air. Do you mean to be? Yes, I oh, do. <laughs> Great. Welcome. <laughs> Can you hear me? Yep. Go ahead with your question. All right. A few calls back, it was about the breakthrough cases that some of them were detected because people had symptoms, but some of them were detected because people were testing. So, therefore, in my mind, it seems to say that there could be a lot more breakthrough cases out there that are asymptomatic. Am I thinking correctly here? You are, except we're still maintaining just barely adequate surveillance in the county. Um, and so, you know, our, our positivity rate um, is, I believe, 1.4%, which is quite low. It's not under 1, um, which is where we would like to be. That's when we sort of reach this inflection point that tells us we're completely getting this thing under control. But it's quite good, and that points toward the fact that we're not seeing a lot of asymptomatic transmission, um, not seeing a lot of asymptomatic carriage of the vaccine um, throughout the population. And more pertinently, and this is where the vaccines really work most effectively, we're not seeing a lot of really sick people. Um, Hospitalization rates um, are quite low in the county and quite low in the state. um, And pretty good nationwide um, because, you know, the most vulnerable amongst us, i.e. the elderly, have a vaccine rate, uptake rate of around 80%, um, which is great on one hand, but disappointing that there's still 20% of, you know, vulnerable elderly adults who have not yet been vaccinated, um, either due to reluctance or due to difficulty of access. Um, But certainly, you know, some combination of those two factors has resulted in that. But as for a lot of asymptomatic transmission, I don't think we're seeing a lot. Um, Will it happen in fully vaccinated individuals? Sure. How much it's going to happen, we, I know this has been an ongoing question um, on the air and in, in, the, in, in the scientific literature, certainly, um, but we still don't know the, the definite answer to that. But the numbers um, nationwide, as we get more and more vaccine out, point toward a significant reduction in transmission amongst people who are vaccinated. Can I ask a second question? You can ask as many as you'd like. Thank you. Another caller a few calls back said that he uh, wanted to find out how to get antibody testing since he was choosing not to get the vaccination. And without going into the ethics of it, 
I think it's valuable information for people to have um, in terms, you know, if they're going to be making the choice to not get vaccinated, it's good information for them to know if there is a way to determine if they have antibodies, because that could help them either make a decision, a further decision as to vaccinate or not, or at least give them the information about where, you know, if they do or don't have antibodies in terms of where they're going to go. Like, I'm not vaccinated, so, you know, and I don't show antibodies because I've been tested, so I won't go to that party of 150 people. Right. So can you address that a little further, please? You know, my initial response to that caller was to tell him that he could go to his primary provider and um, an order could be written for an antibody test. My caveat um, in my answer and to your call is it's hard to interpret that antibody test. Um, It needs to be a very specific one to make certain that it's the biologically active antibody against COVID. And even then, um, it's not clear how how much a positive antibody test uh, translates to a resistance um, from getting sick from COVID, from a reinfection from COVID, um, that we just don't have that data or that science yet. And finally, uh, we do know that the vaccine-induced immunity appears to be significantly stronger um, than the natural immunity, which, you know, is, is paradoxical. I certainly wouldn't like to see it that work that way, but, you know, that's, that's what we're seeing. Um, and, you know, that's just unfortunately or fortunately, depending on one's perspective, the reality of these vaccines versus, quote-unquote, natural immunity. All right, caller. Thanks for the call. We have a, an email here, I think, along the lines of the parties and the visitors and things. Uh, your opinion on the advisability of an indoor exercise class for seniors, large room, doors open, no masks, everyone fully vaccinated. Uh, well, exercise and congregate gathering is a great idea. Um, I think the risk could be mitigated considerably um, with um, fans um, at the open windows and doors, blowing air through at a high volume. Um, I would also encourage people to, you know, willingly um, produce their vaccine card because I wouldn't want to be somebody who's 75 years um, in that activity um, thinking that the person next to me is vaccinated when in fact that person was simply saying they are vaccinated. Um, and so, you know, there's, there's no way you can compel that, um, but I would want that sort of buy-in from any group activity like that. Other than that, I, I frankly think that that risk is fairly low, believe it or not. Um, I, I presume we're not talking, you know, 50 people in a small room. I don't know what the number was. Um, but you would want them to be fairly well-spaced. And I think any congregate socialization before or afterwards should occur out, outside. Um, but in general, the risk-benefit analysis on that one sort of weighs toward having that activity. Oh. Yeah, right? Weird. That unexpected. Yeah. Yeah. I'm glad you asked, uh, emailer. <laughs> Let's take our last call. I think we're just about down to the wire here. Hey, caller, you're live on the air. <clears throat> um, there was a caller previously who talked about the possibility of drug interaction with the Johnson uh, vaccination. And I'm that was the first thing that came to my mind. What else are these people taking in the way of drugs? Yeah, and I, I, don't, I don't know that. Um, the, the actual data that has been released to the public around uh, these 
six and now eight individuals is quite limited. Um, And so I just haven't seen anything published um, around that. I expect we might see some more information. We might see some more information around that by the end of the week. Fauci predicted that the uh, FDA was going to make a decision around the J&J by the end of this week. Um, I think they're convening on Friday after reviewing the evidence. But you know, there's certainly a possibility that these six or eight individuals could be on a medication. Um, you know, all of them could be yeah, on a Yeah, sim- yeah, So I think that should definitely be reviewed, yeah. I, I'm sure all it right. is. Well, yeah. thank you very much. <laughs> yeah, one may rest assured that these uh, eight cases are being dissected. In every way, shape, or yes. form possible. Yes. All right, well, I think that's going to do it. The phone lines are... It felt like a lot of calls in a fairly short amount of time. Yeah, it was good. Well, an hour. Fairly short amount of time. Longer than we used to do. Uh, But we're going to call it. And thank you very much for listening. Thank you for being here. Be back next Monday. Next Monday from 3 to 4 p.m. with time for your phone calls and your questions. Um, Will we know about that meeting I, Will they have any determination about the Johnson & Johnson? I don't, we don't know. Okay, don't know. come on. <laughs> I know. I, I, I'll, call, I'll call Tony after I get off the show. I guess I don't know is yeah. a really good yeah. answer. Yeah. So, And do remember, next show is going to be our quiet, or our flash drive show. It's going to be our fundraising show. So if you particularly appreciate this show and you want to show it some love, uh, that would be fantastic. We'd love to, to hear from you. And you can do it in the meantime. Anyway, you can go to kzyx.org and make a donation there. There's a donate button on the homepage in the upper right-hand corner. Uh, You can also call us at 895-2324, and we will take your donation that way. Or you can send us a check, P.O. Box 1. Philo, California, 95466. We certainly appreciate your support, and it definitely keeps us here live on the air. Keeps the power on. 24-7. Okay, thanks for listening, everybody. Indeed, be safe. And we will be here next week. You've been listening to the local coronavirus update from KZYXNZ Mendocino County Public Broadcasting in Philo, California. This podcast is made possible by funding from the Mask Awareness Project of North Coast Opportunities. To hear this program live, tune in on Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays at 3 p.m. Pacific Time to KZYX Philo 90.7 FM, KZYZ Williton Ukiah at 91.5 FM, and in Fort Bragg at 88.1 FM. Or you can hear us anywhere at kzyx.org, where you can also find out how to donate or become a KZYX member. Thanks for listening.